shame. In two weeks, all of these kids would have been perfect. They're great, every last one of them. Uh-huh, but we only need three of them, Dick. But we need them now, not in two weeks. Only three of them? Now? I don't get it. Oh, Steiner and Morris were just telling me the kids are great. And that ever since I put them in your, your hands, they've shown a marked improvement. Don't let Margie hear you. She'd kill me for a lot less. <laughs> I was telling Dick we have a little problem. The show's been moved up to... Two weeks earlier. I know. I just don't like the idea of a selection only two weeks before the end of my course. You're forgetting it's a great opportunity for those kids who will get the nod. That's just it, Mars. The rivalry, you mean? If the kids find out, they'll tear each other to shreds. Well, I'm afraid they've already gotten wind of it. This is no way to work. It should have been avoided. There'll be trouble, Dick, I guarantee you. I very much considered throwing on Dial of Destiny in there, but I thought, why ruin a good day? Right. You don't want to do that. As someone who has seen Dial of Destiny, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I feel like uh, people are going to back off on their hate for Crystal Skull. They should. Oh, they have. <laughs> on this one. And they have, yes. Yeah. It is absolutely and entirely one of those instances where they didn't realize how good they had it until it was gone. Crystal Skull was fine. I had a good time. I loved Hot Take. I loved Shia. I do, too. I do not like him in that movie. I think he's quite good, <laughs> but that's okay. I know. I, I, well, wait till you see Phoebe Waller bridge doing whatever <laughs> the flying fuck she's doing in that movie. I respect that Indiana Jones was the Steven Spielberg project before. I no longer have any respect for it now that it's under James Mangold's watchful eye. Yeah. And as I've, I've said over text, you guys will feel it yeah. when, when he's not there. <laughs> Right, yeah, like, and it's not like, you know, I like James Mangold movies for the most part. Like, I think he makes, for the most part, pretty good movies. And I think he's also capable of putting his stamp on intellectual property, right? Like, Logan is a sort of a radical reinvention of the X-Men and the superhero genre, for that matter. And he's kind of sort of not really doing that with Indiana Jones. Has no idea how to wrangle it. That's my thing. No conceivable stamp whatsoever. I mean, it's just a product. Right, I, I just don't have any interest in watching a Harrison Ford Indiana Jones movie without Steven Spielberg involved, I think. You don't want to see one that's also, like, uh, not fun? Well, that too. There's also that. <laughs> not into, or also starring, like, a AI-generated Harrison Ford deepfake for, like, a third of it, right? You think it's the only scene with Harrison <laughs> Ford deepfake, by the way. Nuh-uh. There are two. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, I just know what it's gonna be. I just know James Mangold felt the pressure because he took over for Spielberg in the development process to do Spielberg karaoke. You will come out of it and absolutely despise it, but it's not like get all emotion away from it. It's not like the worst thing ever made. It's not going to be the worst movie you see this year, but it's just really, really depressing to see an Indiana Jones movie that feels this nice and safe. And it just got under my skin thinking about it in that way. Right. There's just no texture, no grit, no like stakes. It's just so flat you know on top of it all i don't understand why this franchise is continuing with harrison ford i'm not saying i prefer that they spin it off and do more but like if you're gonna do it don't have like an 80 year old man if it's gonna enable you to take the franchise in interesting directions i am all for recasting sure you know if you're gonna bring spielberg back I'm okay with you doing a Harrison Ford thing because I trust that he's going to make a, a sequel with integrity, even at this age. To me, you actually have to even bring George Lucas back. Uh, I don't know about that. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you, but you, you, you even feel that guy missing. It's like, yeah, eh, yeah. there's an element of, of lightheartedness that he and Spielberg kind of brought together that's just not here anymore. Right. Like, it's just a miserable movie. Right. It's, it's unbelievably miserable. And the whole unforgiven approach with Indiana Jones just don't work. It just yeah, don't work. I don't, I don't want I'm, that. I'm not interested in Unforgiven. I wasn't interested in Man of Steel for that reason. It's like, I don't right. want that for fucking Superman. Right. And I don't want that for Indiana Jones either. I don't want Indiana Jones pouting all, all movie. Oh yeah. my God. Wait till you see him in the first scene where he's old. Ugh. Like they couldn't even be bothered to do stuff like as fun as the ants in the previous movie. Even the fucking monkeys made me feel something over this. Like, 
The monkeys are rough. I was longing for the monkeys. <laughs> when I was 13 years old and the fucking monkeys popped up in my movie theater. You I was, and you sh- And you probably should have. I was like, this is as low as my life can go. At that point, nothing bad had happened to me, you know? So that was the worst. <laughs> it was very much like that revisiting Spider-Man 3 kind of mole where I thought it was crap. And then on re- I was like, oh, wait a second. Perfect fucking comparison. Exactly right. Like, I am okay with Spider-Man 3 being a worthwhile flop yeah. because Sam Raimi is involved. Yeah. And Crystal Skull is a similar thing. It's like, this didn't work, but it didn't work for the right reasons. Like, at least it was a good try. Yep. Yeah, I don't need Mangold fucking doing Spielberg karaoke. No, thank you. When you ask, like, even people who are older about it, like, even my parents are like, why is Harrison Ford doing that? Abby's parents, why is Harrison Ford doing that? Right. I think most generations are confused by why Harrison Ford is coming back to do this. If you're going to do it, you make Ford the new character that his dad was in the old movies, right? Isn't that kind of what they were trying to do with Shia? Yeah, and it, I thought it was uh, the right direction, at least. Mm. I wouldn't want to see Shia go. <laughs> it doesn't there. have to be Shia. But it doesn't have to be Shia. They they should have recast Shia for this new movie. That is not what happened. Uh, what does that mean? Wait, is Shia in this movie? He is uh, mentioned. Is is he in a dark room with a paper bag over his head and people no. are slapping him? <laughs> I swear to God, it's Shia. <laughs> I swear it's him. He comes out in a Mandalorian outfit. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's definitely him in there. <laughs> George Lucas wants to get Indiana Jones into Star Wars. That's not what happens. No, let, he's not in it. Um, he's dead. He enlisted in the Vietnam War because that character really seems like someone who would want to go to Vietnam, right? That's a patriot right there. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't get drafted. He says, I want to go and fight. This greaser kid that says, fuck the establishment, says... You know what, Dad? Because you never supported me, I'm going to say fuck you and, and go fight in the jungle. <laughs> With the monkeys. With the monkeys. He's going to throw I'm bananas going, at <laughs> I'm going back to kill Viet those Kong. monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the monkeys were his allies in that movie. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if kids... Like Indiana Jones. I don't know. All the kids in my life have no idea who the fuck Indiana Jones is. I'll say that. But it is interesting. Like, like Crystal Skull was the second highest grossing movie of 2008. Sure. But that was us, right? That was a different generation of child. And it was closer to Harrison Ford movie star. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like now I think kids know Harrison Ford as the wrinkly guy that shows up in the latest Star Wars movie as a ghost. The generational divide here is is pretty significant. But even like the target demographic who knows who Indiana Jones is, they weren't that interested in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of the worst of both worlds. You know what I mean? Like if you reinvent it with like Chris Pratt or whatever, I'm not saying that's the correct casting choice. But if you bring in one of the we know for a fact it's not. We've seen the Jurassic Park films and Fair enough. You don't need to just bring one of the Chris's in, give it a fresh coat of paint, you know, let a competent guy like Orion Johnson or whatever, take a spin at it. Maybe it drives more interest, but yeah, it's in this weird in between where it's like boomers who love Harrison Ford would rather watch him on the Yellowstone spinoff and children that don't know who Harrison Ford is only have seen crystal skull and find it underwhelming. You know, I hate to say this, but the problem is Harrison Ford is still alive. How dare you, sir? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't no, no, know. No, what you for, mean. for the Indiana Jones movies, <laughs> not for the rest of the world. The rest of the world, oh, I'm I glad see. he's alive. I was like, what is wrong with Harry- the franchise? The studios needed their hands forced. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, where's Nick going with that? <laughs> are you, are Nick, you for the, for the good second, of the culture? Like, we must kill Harrison Ford. <laughs> no. That is what I you're saying. I would rather right have now. shitty Indiana Jones movies than a dead Harrison Ford. But. For the Indiana Jones movies to be good. On behalf of the podcast, I recommend we check our phones right now to see if we've just killed Harrison Ford. Oh, no, Ford. we did not just jinx that, did we? <laughs> check it right now. Harrison Ford in the hospital. No! <laughs> that guy survived like 10 plane crashes. That's He's true. not going. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. The door of the Millennium Falcon fell on him. And he, survived. <laughs> he broke his fucking back. <laughs> <laughs> he's 75 years old it's like i'm gonna rub some dirt on it love that guy dude broke his hand while punching ryan gosling in the face <laughs> i'd always seen the still frame of him doing it i never thought they actually kept the footage mm. oh it's the yeah, best I thing saw in the that world. shot it's a really good shot i love it oh it's so they good. kept it right 
I don't know it's if not, they kept no, it in the movie. No, 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 probably not. Oh, they should have. They should have pulled like what Cruz did in that in the fifth Mission Impossible when he broke his right. ankle. Yeah. I think every time an actor gets injured, they need to keep it in the movie because then you get Agreed. those nerds who watch Lord of the Rings being like, he broke his foot there. Yeah. Doing the Leo meme. That's it. Just it's it's good for the movie. Leo himself, by the way, with Django Unchained, when he sliced his hand. See, on the you're glass. you're being that guy See? I was just talking about. You're being that guy right now. Yeah. <laughs> you are being Leo talking just, about Leo right just now. Just say, hey, look at it. Look at it. Yeah. He wiped his blood on Carrie Washington's face. Dude. What a freak! <laughs> Carrie Washington could wipe her blood on my face. I fail to see how that's relevant to the conversation. <laughs> Murder Rock, <laughs> colon, Dancing Death. Let me repeat that title. Murder Rock, hyphenated, colon, Dancing Death. Are you sure it's not Murder Road? No, it's Murder Rock. All right, he passed. Dancing <laughs> Death. I called it Murder Road in the group chat. Murder Road. This week. Murder m- Rock. <laughs> the next Mad Max film. Murder Road. <laughs> Mad Max Murder Road. Wow. <laughs> kind of a market deficiency now for Murder Road movies. Someone's got to make that shit. I love it. I love that they hyphenate Murder Rock. I don't know if I prefer it to the Italian version of the title that makes Murder Rock one word with only one R connecting them. That's a cool t- A. M U R D E R O C K. Murder Rock. Murder Rock. Murder Rock. You look at it and you don't really know what it means. It looks like a word that you've never heard or somebody's last name. I think this is the perfect example of a movie that you can't give it a name that's good. What do you give it? Uh, Flashdance 2? <laughs> <laughs> Flash Stab? <laughs> Hell yeah. Flash Stab. The film is literally about stabbing. <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> Man, this thing is so much like Flashdance. Mm. It is wild they do the fucking jennifer beale scene it's not a bucket of water but it's like rain yeah and it's much sleazier it's actually like more erotic than Flashdance, which is one of the most erotic movies ever made kind of cool i guess murder and sex it's always a good combination always a great one well it's it's weird seeing a jalo film like this where the jalo takes a back seat to the sleaze totally it's, it's really tits and ass forward this film <laughs> Un, unabashedly i mean i really I, I haven't seen many lucio fulci movies but like i don't remember them being this the guy's a horn dog i, I haven't seen any of his movies yeah, yeah, but, he is. Uh, Clearly. The, yeah the guy enjoys uh a little tna you know what i mean every kill scene even when like the person doesn't die it's just any chance we get Show a boob, nip slip it. I don't know. Just here's the problem though. It's the same kill every time. Yeah. You know, and we're gonna talk about a movie next week on this podcast. It's an American Jalo that is very creative with its kills. And I would actually say is above average for that era and that genre. This is the opposite of that. They are very horny murders, but for what they provide in horniness, they lack in creativity i would say inventiveness of the kill yes but we do get some boobies yeah and lots of butts lots of shaken butts on that dance floor on the poster we get a butt we get a nude butt on the poster is this all there is to talk about with this movie (laughs) can we describe the poster quickly (laughs) okay fine take a look at the poster just give me your thoughts murder road it's not murder road Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. <laughs> Murder Rock. Wow, that is a yeah, that is a naked butt. Oh, but she's wearing socks. Oh, thank God. Is she wearing socks in the shower in that poster? Uh she is indeed. Okay. Oh, there's another version of the poster where she's not naked. Not fun. No. Actually, these posters are all pretty fun, not gonna lie. <laughs> well they, they got there's some good posters. <laughs> they got the posters right. The first one oh, is, of course, great. Naked ass. And then we get the murder weapon, the needle with the rock on the titular murder rock. Or is it a murder rock? What is that? I think it's supposed to be referring to all the music that's not rock music, but I thought it was music. I thought it was musical rock, but like it, ah. it's not very rock. It's disco music, though. But it's right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. OK. But okay. it's also the 80s and. They were a little confused. That's their version of rock and roll. <laughs> Look at this poster. This poster is pretty sick. The, the, I don't know what country this was released under, but it's it, the title 
here is Murder Rock. The demon is loose. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't feel like these posters promise the right thing. Yeah, they have like a a shadowy Jason Voorhees esque character in the sky, and then they have a screaming blonde on an X. See that? Yeah, that's that's frustrating. It kind of makes you think it's supernatural. It's not even like the ambiguous poster, like the thing. Where it's like, I don't even know what that means in a good way. Whereas like, this is just saying it's like a gory or exorcist or something. Oh, look at the VHS cover. What the hell? More partial nudity in the back of this one. Man, they did not care. So here's the thing with this movie. It is a giallo film. No question about it. It's an Italian giallo. It was actually shot in the United States and also shot in English. So they had to dub over the Italian. So it's kind of this weird hybrid of the two. But sometimes they're speaking English. You're, you're telling me it was shot in English and then they dubbed it over in Italian and then they had to redub it? I believe that's right. The actors are speaking English. Some of a lot of them. Yeah, are. but that's dubbed in dialogue, though, right? That's not on location dialogue. No, you well, it fits their the movement of their mouths. Yeah, sometimes it does. Well, yes, yeah, so like the, the cop guy is not is sometimes speaking English, sometimes not. But yeah, I mean, with any Italian production like this, they're not really using sound equipment. So yes, they're always dubbing regardless of the fact that they're speaking English or not. Yeah. Takes place in New York City. Is an American movie, aesthetically speaking, but when you take a peek in the script and you look at the dialogue, it's like, oh, this feels like it was translated back and forth between Italian and English five times over. Hell yeah. And we're left with this weird a telephone game dialogue at the end of it. Uh, comes out in 1984 and was initially written as a straight giallo with a black gloved killer or whatever in a mystery. And then the producer of the movie was like, well, you know, it's really hot or in, in America right now, this flash dance movie. <laughs> Apparently American audiences like the dancing, particularly if it's sexy. So then they add this dancing element. Now it's about dancers. Bunch of women in leotards. Just that's, that's right. Shaking their asses. I like the dance sequences. I do too. In this a lot. It's I think easily the best stuff about the movie. Hey, come on, Nick. <laughs> I, I liked the dance in this. Like I liked it. <laughs> you guys just went over how it was an afterthought. <laughs> but I liked it. And a complete it. rip off of a better movie. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I was always having a good time. <laughs> Let's check Nico's vibe meter for a second on a scale of um the Flash to Miami Vice. Where does this rank on Nico's vibe meter? Uh, this is a good 7.5. Pretty good. The vibes are pretty strong. I, I wouldn't say this is a good movie. I would actually say the opposite. It's not a very good movie. What the fuck is a 7.5 between Flash and Miami Vice? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out, Nick. It's Nico's vibe meter, okay? <laughs> I would argue they're both bad extremes, but that's okay. <laughs> vibes. We're talking pure vibes. Pure vibe, yeah. Yeah. I would say the vibes are pretty good. Hey, they got your dirty New York all ready to go, so that's nice. Dirty New York is there. I do like a dirty New York. Some prog rock music. TNA. Dancing. <laughs> Some pretty good lighting at the end. Nipples. Nips. <laughs> the vibes are the vibes are strong, man. I like the over-the-top performances quite a bit, especially at the end. I like one over-the-top performance quite a bit. I know who you're talking about, the detective in this. Adam and I exchanged words about this before we started recording, and I fucking love a grumpy Italian detective, and this guy is out of central fucking casting for that archetype. This guy finds it Italians everywhere he fucking looks, I swear <laughs> to God. It's just so good. Just so Another good. Another fucking just pulling the Italians out of the woodwork. <laughs> He's great, Nick! He's so good at this movie! When the, the like, uh, assistant or whatever, his... What are the underling? I don't know the rankings in detective world, but he's a lieutenant and, and one of his underlings is like is like deputy or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the deputy goes like, uh, it's incredible. Incredible. It's incredible. The cost of living, professor. He's <laughs> <laughs> just so grumpy, this guy. Oh, man. Just some cynical prick. This case just bothers him so much. I know. He's so droopy. He always looks tired. Always smoking. That's a big thing. Critical of everybody. Yes. Hates humanity. Totally. Yeah, you gotta love it. It's great how you can, like, tell so much about his personality without them ever showing you. Like, you know he's an alcoholic. You know he's divorced. Estranged from his kids. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that guy. I don't really like any of the other characters in this movie because I don't really 
there are no other characters in yeah, this movie. Well, that, there well there's go. there's <laughs> one other character, I guess, but yes, yeah, the lead Olga Carlatos. She's on IMDb doesn't have a profile picture, so that lets you know how much work she did after this movie. But yeah, she's uh, she does some overacting at the end that I think is kind of fun. Yeah, and then there's this guy uh, Ray Lovelock, great name. He plays a male model, and he looks like a male model. He's convincingly uh, model material, I would say that. Sure. Other than that, I can't really identify any of the other characters in this. It's not a good movie, is my point. But vibes, I dig them. I think the dancing is good. I do as well. I kind of like ideas for sequences. There were moments where I thought the movie was going to like, like really ratchet up the tension and get me, and I was going to be excited, like where the lights kept flashing, and I thought maybe we'd see a figure in the hallway, and it'd be there, then the lights go out, and then it's gone, like stuff like that. Right. It doesn't really happen. The killer just appears with chloroform. Chloroform and a needle. This is the kill every time. Yeah. It's the first kill of the movie, and you're like, oh, this is kind of weird. Killer is stabbing a girl in the boob with a needle quite slowly. That combination of chloroform and very slow killing is just weird what do you like it's just it's it's disturbing well, it's or horrifying or, or just kind of yeah it's there's no tension it's so like first off you don't see a person like being afraid because they're knocked out and then it's just so slow there's no like tension there's no, it's just boring well you don't see much blood by design because the point is so small right yes. So it's meant to almost look like a doctor is giving you a shot or whatever. Like it's supposed to look like blood is being drawn. It's very surgical in that way. (laughs) And I think that's cool one time. I think it looks kind of creepy and weird one time, but then you do it three or four times over and it's like, man, I am not seeing any reason for this other than the boobies. (laughs) But the problem I have with it too is that it's not only just the fact that they repeat the same kill over and over again, but they shoot it the exact same way. So you always get the hand that comes in from off the side of the frame, catches the girl in the mouth, she's knocked out, and then the same needle to the boob again. And it just becomes comical how often that you get like a jarring reaction, oh my God, and then chloroform comes in, knocked out, and it's it just does nothing for me. We do get one instance of the, oh, it's you trope. Oh, it's you. You look so... Oh, my God. I love that. It's my favorite thing in slasher movies. It is the fucking best. It's great. (laughs) I kind of miss it. But then again, could they get away with that nowadays? As soon as they say it, it's like, oh, it's the killer. (laughs) It's the killer. (laughs) Hey, what are you doing here? It gives you a clue as to who the killer is because you know it's somebody they know, right? Yeah, we get it. Yeah, Nick, yeah. that's true. It's great. <laughs> okay, well, let's... It's a great trope, Adam. Isn't that evident the second you sit down in the theater? Like, do we really need to see it? Like, in the, again, next week's movie, we're going to make much uh, a much bigger stink about it. But like, the oh, it's you. The guy's off screen. I don't know. I mean, we don't have to reveal who the killer is now, but I'd just like to say this was one of the easiest movies to figure out in my entire life. Oh, wow. I knew before even the first kill who the killer was going to be. And that was before like... they even killed. That's the I thing. The no, I was like... I, well, I knew the tropes and I knew who was going to die and I knew the setup and I'm like, well, there it is. That's, that's the only thing. It, it made sense almost immediately who the killer actually was. Yeah, it was my guess. I don't think I parsed through all of the rationale until it was revealed to me at the end i knew who it wasn't Mm. based on who the movie wanted you to think it could be right the red herrings were ridiculous in this movie and they go really 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 far to try to convince you that it's this other person i mean there are so many asides two other people right but they're intense. So there's like a sides of like even a person holding a needle about to kill someone in the exact same fashion as the killer but it turns out that person's not the killer. Yeah, that scene was weird. So was like, one of the students, all right, so let's set up the let's set up the plot here, and then we can sort of break it down a little more. Well, the the long and short of it is that there's a big dance troupe. They're all practicing together, and there's some big studio executives who can only pick three of them to be in a production. So they want the best three dancers, and that information essentially leaks out to the group that they're only gonna not all of them are gonna make it. Only three of them are gonna make it. 
And slowly but surely, some of the best ones start getting killed off, implying that whoever's doing the killing wants the part and is killing off their competition, right? Right. And all the while, this dance instructor who's very demanding, you know, a real Arlie Ermy out of uh, Full Metal Jacket or whatever, like, she's like, no, we must continue to practice. You cannot give up, even if your loved ones die. Do you know why you're all here? Why you were all accepted in my course? Because you're the best, the most talented, and you're all going to make it. Some of you sooner than you think. But success doesn't come easy. You've got to pay for it. You've got to grit your teeth and dance, even when a friend dies. You've got to pay with anger, frustration, and sacrifice, forgetting what's right or human. Because there is no human. Because there is no time for crying in here. Because you can't stop. Uh, but uh, it, they're still in hushed tones. Everybody's talking about like, man, what if this killer is killing off the competition? And I think even one girl identifies that she is one of the last ones standing. And it just so happens that everyone that was killed before her would have gotten the part had auditions actually taken place. Mm-hmm. So the whole time we're thinking, okay, this is a, a scorned student picking off all of their rivals. All the while, they're introducing you to different characters, though, that they tease like there's this uh one of the boys in the group actually who is uh dating one of the girls he had the uh opportunity and then he shows up in another scene and is being really creepy uh there's another guy who uh <laughs> this chinese guy at a restaurant comes over and he's like i'll tell your fortune which is the most fucking 80 shit <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> like a way worse of a trope than you can even imagine yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> right <laughs> And he goes, uh, oh, you're a murderer. That's your fortune. <laughs> murderer. You will not do any job. Here they write murder. You are a murderer. I'm a murderer. I'm a murderer. I'm a murderer. And I love, like, there's, like, a boing yeah. sound effect in the background. He's like, murder, boing, It's like, what is going on? So many fucking crash zooms in this I movie. Know. So many. And, like, the musical stingers are ridiculous. This movie's like, it's the killer. Da-da-da. Uh, the dance instructor begins a love affair with this guy, who is a male model. And she dreams of him, right? It comes to her in a dream that... This guy stabbed her, right? Well, the dream, I was like, I was pretty sure who it was before then, but then I saw the dream. I'm like, all right. Right. That's who it is. That's actually a really good point that I hadn't considered. The dream is a dead giveaway. Because it's like so so clearly like a misdirection on who the killer actually is. The fact that you see the guy with the knife, I'm like, in in her dream, I'm like, well, that's clearly not the killer. Because that would be way too obvious, which just made me go like, oh, let's flip this around for a second. Yeah, so the dance instructor has a dream that before meeting the guy, she she has never met him before. She dreams up this guy, then sees him on a billboard five minutes later in the movie and is like, that's my guy from the dream. So she tracks him down in real life, discovers that he's a male model. So unless there's a supernatural element to this, the only logical explanation is that she has seen him before. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right, exactly. and that she has some sort of history with him. That's why he'd be in her dreams, right? Isn't that like a thing that like psychologists say that where like every face that you've ever seen in your dream is the face of someone you've seen before in real life? The human brain is incapable of like making up faces. That's one of those things. It's like, how the fuck do you prove that? Yeah, (laughs) we don't fully understand dreams in general. That's the thing. So I don't know. It just sounds cool. Maybe. Yeah, right. (laughs) I come from the scientific journal of it sounds pretty sick. (laughs) Don't they all? But the the other aspect of it that makes it actually pretty obvious is in all of these Jalo films, the killer seems to have some sort of like memory loss or delusion or Uh there's always something with their psyche where they aren't even fully aware that they're the killer. Right. They're always very, very close to the audience too, much closer than you even realize. So at the beginning of the movie, when the kids say, we're going to stay the night and practice, and they tell it to their instructor, and they're like, okay, just do such and such, be at it this time. Then I, That was the moment where I was like, they're going to stay the night, everyone's going to leave, it's going to be dark, who's the only person that knows they're there, 
it's the instructor. And then I just did the math and I'm like, the instructor's the killer. Uh, yeah, turns out that her dream is a flashback of when she was a young girl. Sort of like a interpretation of it because she was hit by a car by this guy, right? What, didn't they imply that they were in a relationship? He dated a girl who was much younger than him, I guess. Right. And she wound up dead or mysteriously missing or something, and they could never figure out who did it, but he's been the suspect. And didn't he do time for it, too? He was charged. He was never convicted. But I don't, I don't know anything about her being involved with him at that time. Right, because then she says, you crushed all of my dreams. You killed my hopes and dreams because of the accident. Yeah. I thought he, something about him, like, hitting her with his car. Is she supposed to be the girl that went missing or whatever? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. implication. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's not. I, I had not put that together until the final scene. But yeah, right. That's what I was sort of talking about. I didn't put it together until now. So I, don't <laughs> I mean, it's pretty fucking unclear. <laughs> yeah, she is the girl from his sketchy past. Mm-hmm. And they use that obviously as a red herring for why he would be the killer now living in a motel and, you know. I just thought it was so obvious, the fact that you see the guy with a knife, you see his face and all that. It's like, well, clearly it's not him. And just the fact that she's dreaming up this face in heavy quotes and she's never seen him before. And it's not obviously not a supernatural movie. I'm like, there's no way it's anyone. Like, if it's not her, the movie's even dumber than it already is. So <laughs> he haunts her dreams. She seeks revenge yeah, on him. Exactly. By killing other people. By killing other people and framing him by putting the needle and chloroform in his drawer, even though she had access to the drawer. God, I can't wait to talk about the next movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this ain't nothing compared to next week. Let me tell you. This is an open and shut, (laughs) you know? This This is an easy murder charge. It is kind of, I guess, ironic then, though, by the end that he actually ends up sort of killing her. Even though she kind of kills herself. Yeah. Right. Which he says, and the detective seems to agree. (laughs) Oh, he's fine. No, he's good. He's good. The detective is so grouchy. He just wants to go home. Like, he doesn't want to do the fucking paperwork. It's like, yeah, whatever you say, bud. That sounds good. He's too old for this shit. (laughs) He wants to go home. You mind just putting that knife in her chest and putting her hand around it while we're at it before my my photographer gets here? (laughs) I got a fucking turkey in the oven, all right? (laughs) Jesus. Got to get home. So this mystery, I think it's fine. I guess the more you're explaining it to me now, Adam, the more obvious it seems. I do like when a mystery tricks you about what the mystery even is, though. Do you know what I mean? Like in this movie, the motive is implied to be that they're killing him off for the better dance role. And that has nothing to do with it at the end. And that is Always nice. Yeah, also that stuff was just shoved in, though, because they wanted to make a flash dance ripoff. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm trying to be nice. It's amazing. Like, they open with a nightclub, a, a, like, you know, 80s nightclub with a bunch of break dancers. Then it's like, all right, let's settle down. Let's get into the mystery now. And then we get another fucking dance routine. There's so much fucking dancing in this movie. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird comparing this to something like Suspiria, which is also a, about dancing, funny enough. It takes place in a dance academy exclusively. Right. There's not much dancing in that movie at all. There's like two scenes. The movie does kind of seem to just barely touch upon the exploitation of young women in the industry, in like the film industry. And yeah, it sort of goes in that direction. And I almost think the movie could work as that kind of movie. Yeah. It kind of grazes that point, I guess. If you squint hard enough, you can probably see that in the movie. Yeah. I mean, all of the agents that are auditioning these young women sleep with them. <laughs> that's what, you know, like that's brought up several times over. It's like, tell and me they're about talking about like, oh, I'm going to sleep with this one next and then we'll see if she gets the part. Like, it's very like, yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. Kind of reminds me of how like Scream 3 deals with <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. You yeah. Yeah. Although that, I think, is a little more, you know, on the nose. Better. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, better made, I guess. Yeah. But let's let's talk about some of these red herrings for a second. So there's obviously the agent that, like, apparently has... She, he, he sleeps with the instructor, and he sleeps with all the students, and uh, just a real just a real horn dog in the way that a lot of these uh, showbiz types are. There's a boyfriend who's questioned by the cops who... He says he's the killer He actually makes a phone call from a phone booth. That's right, yeah. Remember? You're a first-class nerd, Borges. You go around in circles, 
Why don't you throw in your bags? You're out of it. You'll never get me. Oh, I forgot. I really called to tell you that I got the urge again. Yeah. I'm going to stick another one of those girls with a pin. In another great scene where the cops all get together and they're like, well, modern technology has allowed us to identify anyone's unique voice fingerprint. (laughs) And they, you know, they they get a bunch of computers to make bing bong noises. (laughs) Yeah, they basically do like the the Jason Bourne enhance thing. (laughs) With his voice. Yeah. They're like, enhance! there's There's a unique signature. I'm pretty sure that's not how... It works, but uh, yeah, that's a fun bit of uh, movie uh, fiction. <laughs> so bad. And then there's another student, another dance student, who goes through the lengths of like almost murdering the teacher. And that would have saved us a whole lot of time if she just murdered the murderer. The scene makes no sense to me, though. When they introduce that character early on, they, they show that she has a very obvious grudge against the whole process right now. But she goes to the lengths of getting the chloroform and getting the exact (laughs) murder weapon and almost doing the murder. Now, where did she get the chloroform and murder weapon? It's just readily available. Just, yeah, at any corner store, Nick. Wouldn't that imply that she got it from where the killer kept it, thus she knew who the killer was? Well, the the pin is the thing that confused me the most. I'm like, why does she have... It looked like the same pin to me. Yeah, you can just get that at Walgreens, dude. The the pin confused you, Adam, not the chloroform. (laughs) Oh, yeah, everybody has chloroform. (laughs) No, here's my thing. Like, okay, you're not the killer, but if you go through the lengths of doing the murder and you stop short at the murdering part, like... You're still getting charged with attempted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, you're not, like, not the murderer if you do that. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then she, like, breaks down and confesses in this very hilarious bit of storytelling where it's like... I wanted to kill her the way the man killed you. They never would have suspected me. I, I was afraid. Oh, oh, I couldn't do it. I could never do it. <laughs> I just love the exposition. This dialogue is so awful. It's so fucking terrible. <laughs> Oh, There's man. one scene where the detective is talking and he's like, what do you call a school full of, full of sons of bitches? A school full of sons of bitches, Professor. How would you call that in criminology? A viper's nest. Yeah, there's no love lost there. They got us beat, huh? Oh, I love you, sir. Yeah? What the hell's that? I recorded the whole bit. Hmm. Why do you want to dirty up your tape? I've got everything they said. Hmm, that's very interesting. What were you hoping for? Confession? Huh? <laughs> it's like, okay, that has been run through fucking Google Translate ten times, you know? <laughs> like, what do hard-boiled detectives say? Right? Sons of bitches. What do you call a school full of sons of bitches? I don't know. <laughs> what do you call that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> What was with the paraplegic girl taking pictures and stuff like that? That was another curiosity. She was the sister of one of the victims, I think. Was a babysitter? I thought it was a babysitter. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the the girl goes and babysits this this chick in a wheelchair with a big camera. She looks like uh, fucking James Stewart in Rear Window. But it's like, yeah, they're doing like a voyeuristic thing where the the girl in the in the wheelchair is like using the camera to like spy on the girl as she like hangs out downstairs and then she gets, you know, chloroformed and stabbed in the boob. Uh, Right. Again, more chloroforming and stabbing in the boobs. That's all this movie can come up with. What else, guys? I feel like we're spinning our tires uh, here. There's not much going on. Is Jalo July already like burning out? <laughs> this well, this I don't is, think so. I think this movie just kind of blows. I mean, whose choice I think, was this? I think it was mine. It sounded like us was the thing, and I mean aesthetically, it definitely is. But um, man, there's just not much to talk about with this movie. Um, if you want to get a copy of this film on like DVD or something or VHS, you're going to find it in like a double or triple feature bargain bin as hell. Yes, right. Absolutely. This movie. Totally. Like even if you're looking for like a lot of the charm of most Jalo films and the sort of the, the poppy aesthetic that they're known for. I mean, this is really lacking in those terms as well. It doesn't even quite offer that. It's got the music. Yeah, it has the for sure. It has the music. It, like, absolutely. It's kind but, of paint by numbers, though. It doesn't do anything inventive. 
This English prog rocker, Keith Emerson, he did the score for this movie, including the opening number. Hold on. Uh, Tarantino is a big fan of Lucio Fulci. Not necessarily this movie, but uh, his movie The Beyond Mm -hmm. has amassed a large and dedicated following and was re-released in theaters by Tarantino in 1998, who's often cited the film and Fulci himself as a major source of influence. A respected filmmaker, too, in this scene particularly. So, yeah. Good filmmaker, in my opinion. I think there's some of that in here. I don't think this is a poorly directed movie i think there's like I th- again the last sequence i thought the lighting was pretty cool I, yeah the last sequence is the only thing that was like oddly disturbing not like overtly it's just weird and wrong in a good way uh, the the tvs i love when like a wall of tvs in that old staticky way is the only thing that lights a room or reminds me of like you know cronenberg's videodrome or yeah something. i thought that well that shot where she turns to finally see uh, the guy, and on both sides of her, she's being lit by the television screens. Like that's a good shot. I can remember that. So yeah. it's got like tiny, tiny little moments, and I can tell the guy behind it is like talented. Um, yeah. I see. I even wish that I was able to like list the kills. That's but they're all the you same. Know what I yeah. can't even list that. Like that gets you a lot of mileage in some of these you know slasher movies. Whenever we've done them on the podcast before, I don't know. There's some corny dialogue, I guess, but not like even in a fun way because they're just poorly translated it feels like yeah you know so it just feels like bad dubbing it doesn't feel like you know bad screenwriting that you can revel in you know what i mean is that since you don't always know if it's really that bad of screenwriting or just yeah poor translations which is not a good script at all but like it's it's certainly made worse by the translation actually when it comes to like dubbing and translations i i do think watching with the subtitles is always interesting Mm. there's a moment where um the girl uh it's early on when the boy who broke into her apartment is behind her she says i think she says to him uh you scared me half to death or or and then she says like um i'm shaking still i'm still shaking uh the subtitle said i feel so stupid and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> what is <laughs> like one of those is really wrong from the original <laughs> there's no one that i want to make fun of here Something was like lost in translation here. Nothing's really lining up right, but there's no one to like really mock, you know? There's no one aspect of this movie that's easy to mock. Yeah, because it's not like it's bad, but it's not even really that bad. It's not that bad, is, is the, the thing. thing. Yeah. It's not that bad. The worst thing is what you said before, the kills. Yeah. Look, you can you can kill with the same weapon. These movies are generally known for doing that. The film is literally about stabbing. Yes, it is. But like, no, like, like, you know, I and going back to malignant again, but like they get a lot of mileage out of that stabby golden trophy. They do. <laughs> That's true. So malignant fucking rules. Yeah, <laughs> I'm there with it. It does rule. <laughs> I love malignant. That movie fucking rules. I will say watching all the Jala movies for this has given me a fonder appreciation for. Malignant, yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Because like. The crazy ending is what makes a Jalo movie a Jalo movie in many ways. You know, that is the thing that that will elevate certain Jalo movies and 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 damn other ones. And yes. this one I would put in the damned column because the finale is not that great. And the movie that we're gonna talk about next week, although certainly not perfect, is notable because of its ending and its ending alone. How dare you? It is a perfect film. <laughs> How dare you? That is a movie that is so like whatever for me until you hit that ending and it just reframes everything. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. That movie's like memento. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just completely. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is like memento, he says. It's the same movie, man. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> Uh, worst podcast we ever did? Oh, no. no. For, you forget that we just didn't release a podcast. That's true. That's still the worst. Worst released podcast we ever did? Could be. No. <laughs> top five? Ooh. Top ten? Top no. ten. I'll, top say, ten. I'll say top ten. Fifteen, twenty? Top ten. Top ten. Mm, top ten. Yeah. 
<laughs> bottom 10. Closer to 10. Closer to, closer to 10. Yeah. Well, cl- closer to 10. Closer to 10. Okay. Can't all be winners, folks. Can't all be winners. Hopefully, this cleans up nice in the edit. I think our commentary on the movie mm. is much stronger than the movie. Sure. I disagree with that. Sure. I, you think so? Wow. <laughs> we fucked this up? You think? No, I don't think we fucked it up. I just don't think we had the juice. But maybe that's the movie's fault. I think it is. The I think it's fault. the movie's fault. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. There's, it's, maybe we did the best we could. That's what this podcast is. It's a collaboration with the movie at the end of the day. Right. Man, that's a beautiful way of putting it. <laughs> that sounds like some artsy fartsy bullshit. That's right a really generous way of phrasing <laughs> podcasting. I mean. Wow. What is the podcast to you? It's a collaboration with the movie. Um, okay. <laughs> Anything that you guys want to talk about to pad out the runtime of this podcast? I collaborated with Martha Stewart recently, so I guess that's kind of Oh, cool. that's fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did a podcast about her? I did a podcast. No, I did a podcast about her. Yeah, that's right. No, I like helped her out with an episode of TV. <laughs> we didn't help her. You helped her crew out. No, I helped her out. And Did you I, meet Martha Stewart? I talked to her a bunch of times. You chatted with Martha. Yeah. <laughs> why did you get a, So you sent us a picture of her, but why did you take a picture with her? Why didn't I? T- I took that picture that I sent you. <laughs> yeah, but just like knowing you're there. It's like Pedro Pascal on the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. That's it's like, that doesn't do anything I for me. I need proof. That's right. Yeah. I can tell you my like shitty phone pictures that I took. I didn't know. It, it was inappropriate. I was like the script supervisor. And yeah, I, you were a coworker. Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would have been very weird if I was like, Martha, can I get an autograph and a picture? It just wouldn't have worked. No, but you could have snuck one. Nah, there, there were other people doing that. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a professional I actually, co-worker. I think that's a great attitude. I have not spent that much time with celebrities, but like when I was younger and I would meet a celebrity, I would go like, oh my God, can I take a picture with you? Fucking Dave Coulier. Yeah. Even if they're like the most D list F list celebrity, <laughs> you know, and now like I can meet an A lister and I'm like, you got to keep it cool. here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They get this all day. It's like, I'm going to be the one person that doesn't do this. She was very, very uh, professional. And, you know, knew exactly what she was doing. Asked a lot of questions. She asked me a lot about food. She's like, what does what what this go good with? That was a common question. So she was very nice and personable, but also, you know, she was there to do a job. So it was a mixture of the two. But easy to talk to, you know, pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. So more personable than your average hardened felon? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, you know, Snoop was there to help her out. So Snoop was. Even, oh, she smoked a blunt yeah, ahead of time. I, she gave us all blunts. It was nice. Oh, great. It was a lot of fun. I got to be honest. So <laughs> no. Grandma handing out blunts. <laughs> Snoop was not there. I wish he was. But no. everybody's everybody asked. That. I was like, I, 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 I was telling people, oh, I'm working with Martha Stewart today. And, and they were like, do you oh. have any stock tips for you? She doesn't. <laughs> no. Sell NVIDIA now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what if, rather than taking a selfie, you just took her aside and was like, hey. I got some. You, you, <laughs> give me some pointers. Just heard a thing about Apple. <laughs> I got $16,000 put in the stock market. What oh, do I do? <laughs> no, but got, you just got Martha Stewart arrested again oh, in her my 80s. God. She'd just be like, okay, cop. Walk away. <laughs> Probably would have. She asked you if you were a cop, and she knows that if you you can't answer incorrectly if you're a cop. I mean, she was sharp. <laughs> she probably would have. <laughs> no, she's been around the block a couple times. Oh, there, yeah. Right? Yeah. That swimsuit edition is no joke. You ever seen that thing? She did that recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was just weird. I had to, like, direct her at one point, but tell her where to stand. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, go, yeah. you got to put her in her place. Yeah, no, go, go over here. Stay, hold, hold, hold the product. Like yeah, that. much like the warden at the prison that she served time in. I'm the warden. <laughs> you, you told her exactly where to go. I guess I did. Don't ask any questions. Move it along, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. In your fucking I prefer self. minimum freedom. Uh, uh, what a great line. Minimum freedom. Uh, Nick, anything? Uh, how would you rate Adam's uh, wedding card, wedding invite? Oh, oh. yeah, they did. How come. would you rate? How would you rate that photo? I guess we we always have to talk about these, don't we? Let me take it out. I think I have it somewhere here. Sorry, it's buried under all my other wedding invitations. Oh yeah, that's right. He's a popular guy over there. 
No, not popular, just poor. <laughs> just poor. Oh. They put my full name on the card, Abby and Adam. Did you see that? As a joke. <laughs> we did well, that one. a joke. It's appropriate. I don't I, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's my name. You were probably expecting Nico, though, I'm sure. No, I was touched, I think. That's nice. I like that you, you cut the step stool off. We did, yes. Yes, I, yeah, I'm yeah, glad you... Nice I'm glad. The step stool was cropped, Nick. See, Nico knows about the makings of uh, movies and behind... I know how the sausage is made, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, yes, I yes. know movie magic and... I see it here. That's but not, not everyone's going to know these things, Nico. So you got to judge it like a little more objectively, okay? Uh, so how would you rate the card, Nick? I think uh, you want to describe it for all of our visually impaired listeners. Yeah, a- Adam is uh, behind his <laughs> beloved, uh, giving her a hug from behind, kissing her on the cheek. Uh-huh. All of their eyes are closed, which I thought was bold. A bold, yes. bold move, Cotton. It is bold. See if it pays That's off. Right, it's bold. Uh, it's a nice picture. Nice picture. I think you match the background with the outer rim design. I would give it a uh, 8.2. That's pretty good. That's not a bad score. I'll it's take it. decent. I don't think you guys match your outfits very well. Yeah, I agree with you. The outfits are... <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll burn this tape. Yeah. <laughs> we don't Make sure a certain someone doesn't hear outfits. this. Yeah, I the think color you got of the outfits kind of looks like you guys are doing a gender reveal. Uh, That's all I'm saying. It kind of looks like you showed up separately to the event. That's what it kind of looks like. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks like one hand didn't know what the other one was doing. It was filmed on a green screen. They're not even in the same room. Yeah, it looked like a Marvel movie. They shot it in separate places and just, uh, yeah, in, in post, put it together. No, it's nice. It's nice. That is when I proposed to her, by the way, just for some context. Th- those pictures were, t- oh, were taken. Right. Ah, it was spur of the moment. It was spur of the moment. Yeah. Oh, this was not a shoot. This was not an no. engagement photo shoot. Yes. Well, it, it, yes. Yeah. Were you on your tippy toes here? Be honest. No, I was not. You sure? I was on a hill. <laughs> it's not even making fun of Adam either. Necessarily, like Adam's a short guy, but like Abby's also a tall girl, and I'm in a similar predicament. So Abby is an inch. I am sympathetic. Is. She is wearing flats at the wedding. Very important, and I am wearing uh, five-inch boots. Nice. So steel-toed. That's right. That's right. That's right. I made Michaela do the same thing. Don't worry. <laughs> and all the groomsmen will be yeah. getting on their knees like Gary Oldman and Tiptoe. Yes, you're going to have to. You especially, by the way. Can we do that thing where we get on our knees, but we put the shoes on our knees so we look like Is really there short. any other way to do it? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Movie magic, guys. Don't forget. <laughs> this is how they filmed Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we padded out this runtime quite nicely. Yeah. See how it cuts. Yeah, it'll do. <laughs> That'll do, pig. That'll do. Mm. <laughs> Great movie. We'll see you next week for a much better movie, I promise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>